Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Authors at a Glance, Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget, and today we are talking to author Jen DeLuca. She wrote Well Met. Guys, that was her debut novel, and coming up in September is the sequel, Well Played, and we got a chance to chat with her. We reviewed her book in season three, and it was fun, and it was sweet, and it was romantic, and it gave me all the lovely rom-com feels with a steamy sex scene in the middle, which is just the best. And you guys, if you haven't checked out the book, make sure you check out the book and also enjoy this chat. We cover obviously a wide range of topics. You know that me and Johnny are chatty and we like to chat and we go through it all and talk a lot about her writing and how she came up with the idea and how she kind of was submitting a bunch of scripts and got an agent and this was the script that sold and now they're interested and she just signed a deal to do two more books with Berkeley. So that's super, super exciting for Jen and super exciting for all of us because for a debut novel, it's it was phenomenal. And so we're only more and more excited to see what happens with her in the future. Enjoy our lovely chat. Romance at a glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a glance. What you saying? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Well, hi, Jen. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm Bridget. This is my co-host, Shani. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So we were researching and we actually reviewed your book, Well Met, for season three of the podcast. But I don't think we realized when we were reviewing that it was your debut novel. That's amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And Captain Blackthorn was my Jimmy Jam. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. <laughs> very welcome. How does very how welcome. does one get a captain in their life? Is this a Renaissance fair thing where we can go find strapping people in kilts? Is this a thing? <laughs> I, it's certainly a thing. I mean, um, the inspiration for the book came from me working two seasons as a pub wench at a local Renaissance fair. So um, while I personally did not, you know, be carried off by a pirate in leather pants or anything like that, there's certainly... Um, that aspect is there. There's, there's some, there's strapping guys in kilts and there's, um, you know, hot guys with swords and and it's funny how things like that, you know, kind of, I don't know, become very exciting when (laughs) we're like, if you met these guys, like at the grocery store, you wouldn't give them a second look, but then suddenly they're in like these, you know, with the big hat and the scruff, you know, and, and the beard and the, the, the vest and the leather pants and the sword. And you're just like, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, Hey, wait a second. Yeah, and like the testosterone, you just like feel it rippling through the air after them. And you're like, oh, yeah. let me snag us. Let me get a snack of that. That seems nice. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, you know, on the other end, you have the estrogen, too. You've got all the women in their corsets and, you know, hiked up to here. And there's it. it that sounds like a know, recipe for amazingness. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so while, I was, while I was volunteering at this Ren Fair, I was like, I was trying to think about Ren Fair themed romances. And I was like, I couldn't really think. I could think of a couple from like years ago, but I couldn't think of any that were current. And I thought, what, this is an untapped thing. Like this, this has to be, I need to do this. And so I did. (laughs) Were you like writing in a ton of different things before this? And then this was the idea that sort of stuck that you were able to sell to a, to Berkeley, I guess, as it ended up being. Yeah, I pretty much, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people that's been writing, you know, as long as I can remember, and, you know, certain things were certainly better than others. Um, <laughs> and I just, um, I got my agent with a different book that um, that went out, made the rounds and didn't sell. So that was, you know, 
a few months of sadness. And then um, while I was, while that was happening, I started this one and this was the one that sold. So um, yeah. That's so exciting. Nice. I mean, it was very exciting. We both love this book. So like, we were like, that's her debut novel out the gate is is such a good book. (laughs) Like (laughs) who gets that? (laughs) Well, honestly, like when I finished this and and it was time to like send it out, I remember kind of thinking, okay, if this doesn't sell, I don't know what I'm going to do because this is the best thing I've written like this. You know what I mean? Like you sort of had that feeling of this is special. Uh And so I was sort of like, okay, if this doesn't hit, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. I don't know what was next because I felt like I put what I could into this. Did, yeah. did you know ahead of time and like kind of map out the series already? Like you had it in your mind where the next books would go or did you just like finish this book and then they were like, hey, we love this book. You should make more in this world. Kind of a little bit of both. Um, as I'd finished writing this one and we started to send it out, I sort of thought, okay, this, I could do other things with these characters, you know, cause I had there's these supporting characters and I thought, okay, I can write their stories. Um, I didn't have it perfectly mapped out I had sort of some vague ideas which is what is ending up coming to pass but um so I was able to kind of flesh those ideas out but um it was it was a very pleasant surprise that they wanted a series and I'm very very happy that that it that it's happening because I'm having so much fun just hanging out with these characters over and over nice I I was a big fan of the fact that like when we read the beginning we thought it was going to be a love triangle with her and Simon, uh-huh. and um, what's his face who now escapes me right now as I'm talking Mitch, to you? Mitch, the guy in the kilt? Mitch, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we loved that it turned out that he was just like a solid dude who thought, hey, you might need a friend because you're new in our town and you seem <laughs> cool. So I wanted to invite you out with me and my friends. Like, I thought that was one of the sweetest parts of the whole story. Was that something that was like always there? You're like, oh, he's never going to be in the picture, or was it something that evolved? It it definitely evolved. Um, I like to tell the story about Mitch because um, when I was plotting the book out, I'm definitely somebody who plots my books. I do outlines and, and follow the outlines when I'm writing. And originally, he was supposed to be the antagonist. He was supposed to be like the overgrown, you know, dude who never left town that's reliving his glory days of high school, you know, <laughs> calls everybody bro and fist puts everybody. And, but he, and he was sort of had this like, you know, ongoing kind of, I don't want to say rivalry, but he and Simon were never really friends, you know, like growing up. And so they sort of always had that kind of, you know, frenemy sort of vibe where they work together doing this run fair, but they're not buds, you know? And so I had this idea of, you know, he was going to be, you know, he was going to see that um, Simon and Emily were getting together and then he was going to horn in on that just because he could. And that was, you know, that was my original idea. And then, so he was going to be a jerk basically. And then as I was writing, every time he came on the page, he'd show up, he'd start fist bumping the kids. He'd say something funny. He would just be this, you know, really fun guy and he wouldn't be a jerk. And I was like, will you work with me here? Like, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> And then, so I was just like, well, let's see what happened. So I kind of just kept writing and, and and trying to figure out what to do with it. And then I got to the scene where, you know, where she meets him at the bar and he's like, why don't you go over to Simon's house and talk to him? And I was like, oh, he ships it. And I realized it all along that made so much more sense and was so much more rich as a character for him to be someone that's known this guy all his life. And it's like, no, you're really good for him. And why don't you go talk to him? Why don't you go over there? And kind of pushes her in his direction. So so he was, yeah, he was a character that um, was not the way I had planned him to be, but turned out so much better. So he's, yeah. he's definitely a favorite. 
that's awesome. He really did actually. And I think um, on the podcast uh, in the last season, we talked a lot about kind of one dimensional villains that we were Mm -hmm. encountering a lot in story. So it was very surprising and like a pleasant surprise to like not have um, that character come in and be kind of that quintessential like locked in a box yeah. and then mean for no reason. And you're trying to figure out why and like, <laughs> you know? Well, so yeah. Really, and that's, yeah. that's something to me that it is fun when I'm writing is to kind of take something like that, like that, that first idea and then kind of say, how can I make that different? You know, like that, maybe that's good for the first draft. And then when I'm going back and, and looking at it later, say, how can I make that more interesting? Or how can I give that more depth? And it's that to me, it makes for more interesting characters. Well, that makes sense because you just, uh, you said that you, uh, used to do theater. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever had to sit down and do the, your given circumstances of your characters, like where they come from, what is their background? What are they scared of? What are their phone? Like, what are their phobias? Mm-hmm. Like filling all that out just so that your character has depth, even though you're never going to write about all that stuff that you're talking about. Right. Now you kind of know what's triggering your character as they go along. Um, do you actually do that with your characters in the book or is that just something you kind of have in the back of your mind? I kind of have it in the back of my mind. Um, when I'm writing a first draft, I, that's when I'm really getting to know them and getting to, you know, figuring out what makes them tick. Um, and then kind of when I'm kind of pausing between drafts and I really think about things that might have come up while I'm writing dialogue or something, I'm like, okay, why did they say that? And, and figuring out kind of, that makes me figure out their backstory. And then, um, yeah, that helps me, then that, then that helps me inform their character when I'm writing the second draft because, when I, like I said, I'm figuring them out when I'm writing them. So by the time I get to the end of a first draft, I know them so much better. And then I go back to the beginning and they're so like cardboard because I don't know really who they are yet. They're just sort of doing the things I tell them to in their outline. And then now I know why they're doing these things and I can like flesh that out and make that, you know, a little more interesting than just they're doing it because the outline says so. (laughs) Is there one part of, uh, writing that's like your favorite part like is it the first kiss is it the first sex scene is it the first you know the meet cute like is there one moment that happily ever after that is your favorite gosh I don't know um I don't know if there's one particular moment I think actually I like the ending I like the epilogue you know where you kind of you're putting the, like the the button on the end on the whole story and you just sort of see everybody and they're happy and it's good. You know what I mean? Cause that's the thing that I love about romance. And that's why I read it. And that's why I write it is because you get that ending that, you know, it's going to be good and everybody's going to be happy. Of course. Um, that's so why yeah, you do I like, too. I don't want yeah, these like, ambiguous <laughs> cliffhanger nonsense. I want to know everyone is happy and they're going to live happily ever yes. after and everything's going to be okay. So I think actually, yeah, I like writing that, that sort of big sigh of relief that's at the end where, you know, everybody's happy. That's probably my favorite part to really write. And then everything is aiming towards that. Everything else you write is aiming towards that. So you said you're an outliner, obviously pre-COVID, because right now you're probably just writing at your house because you can't go anywhere. But (laughs) are you someone who gets like energy from writing in a cafe and sort of people watching? Or are you like more of an at-home, have to be away from distractions? Kind of both. I mean, there are certain like, certain scenes, like when I get, when I'm getting to the sex scene or I'm getting to like big emotional scenes, like the, like the black moment or something like that. Those I kind of have to do at home by myself. Like I even tell my husband, like right now I'm telling my husband, go away, just go away. Leave me alone for the day. Don't talk to me so I can get this written. Um, and those I would write at home, but, but I'm definitely somebody who loves going out to like the library or to like, you know, the cafes and just, just kind of for that change of scenery. 
Um, I love that. Or even going to like, um, you know, parks or something, if there's somewhere like a picnic table that I can sit on and if it's a nice day, I mean, I'm in Florida. So right now that's not a thing you're going to want to do, oh but because it's a million degrees outside, but you know, when it's nice out, um, just to get that, I like to have that change of scenery. So right now with all the COVID, it's been, it's been crazy to just be sort of cooped up. Shawnee's also yeah. in Florida right now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Are you in Florida? That's, yeah. 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 I'm in Florida. I'm stuck here um, for oh. a moment, for another month. And uh, where, where in Florida are you? Or are we allowed to talk I'm, about that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not my parents. She's like, you know, ratting out a mob boss or anything. She's, <laughs> yeah, got, right. she's just visiting her That's parents. That's so romantic. <laughs> But a mob boss would have been better because that's so romantic. I, I feel like I would have been nice, <laughs> you know. Uh, and his name would be Dimitri because I love yeah. Russian mafia ones. Of course, um, yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I'm in Coral Springs. I just oh, say okay. Miami because that's you, yeah. that's actually where I'm from. But um, but I'm in Coral Springs right now, and nobody knows where that is. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yes, I'm ready definitely for a change of scenery. When COVID started, I was actually super happy. Because I'm at my parents' house, I have like zero responsibility, <laughs> zero responsibilities. I'm like, right. it's like being a teenager, but your parents don't tell you what to do. Like, that's how I felt for like the last months. But now Bridget is my creating partner. So not only do we do this podcast, but we, we just play and we make stuff and we film a lot. So like not having your play buddy is like, it's like, uh, I want to, you know, I want to go outside. I want to go play. <laughs> You yeah, <laughs> our, our list yeah. of ideas is becoming real preposterous because, yes. <laughs> I mean, thankfully we do short forms. So it's easier. Like, I can't yeah. imagine if we were partners who wrote novels because, like, they take so much longer to create. Yeah, uh, yeah. we do shorter this- forms so we can like <laughs> film it in a whole night, you know, sort of things. But oh, yeah, there you go. I put it this way: I had my partner take a wig from my house and drop it on Bridget's doorstep. <laughs> 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 So we can oh film, <laughs> film each other via online, like or whatever. Oh my God. So that's that's the way we live our lives. What's <laughs> um, neat about this whole thing, though, is it's like kind of making people be more creative with a lot of things, you know, which I think is is kind of cool. I mean, yeah, you, know, you got to find the fun or the the good parts in this whole mess, right? I think oh, I think it's sure. like tick, TikTok ex- exploded. Oh God, because- yeah. <laughs> because now you had a lot of people like millennial age who had to work and do a lot of stuff who were just home and they're like mm-hmm. well move over gen z we're headed we're getting on tiktok <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. so that's really cool i'm actually really curious to know um so when i write i get a bit attached to a character too have you found that there's like a character you wrote who you just love or you like connected with the best um, one of my critique partners said that Simon is a gender flipped me, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, and then, and she wasn't wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm very much a, a list making kind of person. Um, but no, I really did. I, I identified a lot with him and just, um, I don't know if I identified a lot with him, but I definitely fell in love with him with the way that he's very kind of closed off and, and doesn't talk to people. <laughs> um, you know, so it, so it takes effort to get to know him. Um, and, and, and I just, yeah, I just fell in love with him when I wrote him and he was just so much fun to, he was so much fun to write and so much fun, you know, then when he gets to be the pirate and gets to be a completely different person. Um, I, yeah, I just had a great time writing him. And then I also kind of, um, 
I, with, with him, with losing his brother, I sort of used him as a way to sort of talk about grief, um, that, that I experienced like when I lost my mother a few years back. So I sort of put a little bit of myself into him that way. So that made me feel very close to him as well. Yeah. I thought the, I thought the, the interesting thing is how many people misinterpret him because he's closed off and like, doesn't share everyone just puts their own assumptions on, I mean, this is like a, a classic humanity problem. Um, but I always think it's very interesting when you read a character like that and you're like, but just tell her what's going on and it will all be okay. <laughs> just have a conversation. And that, and that, that kind of thing always annoys me when I'm reading books too. Sometimes where is that just, you guys would just sit down and talk for five minutes, but you know, like in reality, that that's real life. Happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, yeah, certainly in a, in, a, in drama, in fiction, you know, you have that, well, if they just talk to each other, but you know, why, at what point are you going to walk up and say, you know, I'm really working with some grief issues here and I have been for a few years. So let's have a conversation. Nobody's going to talk about that. You know, it's, you know, it's really funny though. Like, okay. So I'm in a situation where, um, I just got into kink starting last year. So I'm fairly new to it. But one of the huge things is communicating because obviously some situations might be slightly uh, more unsafe or whatever. So I've gotten really good at communicating with my partner in the year. And um, and in the books, I have that same thing where I'm like, if you guys just communicated, like, why is nobody saying anything? And I find <laughs> I find that, like, um, I try to, like, apply the same dynamics to, like, myself, right? Which is, like, I'm really blunt and I'm actually really good at communicating. However, there are certain situations where words just get stuck. Like, you want to communicate them so badly. And there's just something that mm-hmm. happens in your throat that just won't let them pass you know? Right. And, and the more time that goes by, the harder it is to say that, because you know, that you know, the other person's going to go, why didn't you just tell me? Why didn't we talk about this six months ago? Yeah. Yeah. But, but there's still those things I find that I can't, it's very hard for me to say. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that that's very true. And I think also when you have characters, if they're having a conversation where they're kind of pushing each other's buttons and emotions get heightened, you're not going to be having a rational conversation because you're upset, you know? So it's not, it's, it's a big deal to sit down and have that five minute rational conversation. And sometimes you just can't do it. Yeah. Plus you don't don't want to hurt the other person either. So you're like trying to filter how you're saying something without hurting them too, which is tricky. (laughs) And also again, something that we're making up in our own mind, maybe we wouldn't even care, but right. Well, I, I also find that past terrible conversations affect my new my new paradigm, right? So in the past, when I expressed a need, it was met with ego or aggression or not whatever. So even though my new partner w- is not going to meet me with those same things, it, my body is gun shy immediately right. when, when those topics come up. So I... I was trying to think of solutions. Like when you're writing a book, how do you get around this whole communication thing? Like a three minute conversation would have solved this entire book in two seconds. How do you get, how do you get around that? How do you write around that? Um, or whatever. So it was just an interesting kind of thought thread, uh, you know, but you did it beautifully in your book. I was Thank like, oh, I, I, I tried, I tried. <laughs> but yeah, I really do think that it's for, to me, for me, it's about, you know, when, when they're having that, that big breakup, you know, towards the end before they get it together. Um, to me, it's about them, you know, they're both kind of resisting that big change that leads to the end of the book. And it's about, you know, each of them bringing up that 
that one thing that they're lacking or that one thing that's hurt them and they can't see past it. You know, at that point, you're, you're at that point when you're seeing red, you can't talk like a rational human being. And so if, if, you, if two people are seeing red, they're not going to be able to talk and hash it out. And then it's just more like, you know, F you, we're out of here. And, <laughs> and it's over. And, yeah. But then, you know, it's not over because it's a romance. Yes. I have a question. You actually, you mentioned your husband a little bit earlier. Um, and, and I'm very curious to know, I, because uh, I wasn't around, allowed to read romance novels growing up. And so I'm always very curious as to when you decided to become a romance novel author, how did your uh, family respond? How did your partner respond? Like, how did that go for you? Fine. Honestly, like it wasn't even a thing. Um, I mean, my, my husband thinks it's cool that I'm writing. He thinks it's cool that I sold a book. He's the most supportive um, you know, when, honestly, one of the happiest moments of my life was when I came home and I told him that we sold, that I sold a book and he was just, just a look on his face. He was so, so happy for me. Cause he knows how, you know, how hard I worked to get to that point. And he really appreciated it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, how you hear sometimes about spouses, not really getting what you do or whatever, but he's always been super supportive. He's always been, you know, why don't you go write for a little while or something, you know, like he knows that's something that I need to do. And it's something that's very important to me. So he's, he's always been really supportive. The fact that it's, Romance, I don't think, is a big deal to him. Um, he read Well Met. I'm trying to remember when he read it. It was probably, it was right before, I, don't think, I think maybe the arcs were out. So maybe he would recommend it. Um, and that was a little weird. I will say it was a little weird to have your husband reading your sex scenes, you know, but um, but he liked it. He was Because I even like paper clips shut that chapter. It's like, just in case you don't want to read that, I'm just going to close this for you. But um, he was like, no, I read it and he liked it and everything. So you know, he's fine with it. Um, family's fine with it. I've got, you know, really supportive family. I'm very, I feel very fortunate. I really do. Even like coworkers and stuff. Once I, you know, let them know what I was doing and everything, they were all super supportive. So it was, it's been great, honestly, you know, knock on wood, but let's talk about that sex and sex in general. Cause that is my <laughs> favorite topic. Obviously that's okay. why we run a romance novel podcast. Um, yes. Okay. It's actually why we don't ask that question at the beginning, because once we go there, sometimes we stay there. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Now but now that we're all warmed up, yeah. Yeah. We're all warmed up. We're Everybody's all friends. Four play. Yes. Four play is four done. Is done. <laughs> we hit, sex, we got into some emotional things, you know, and now we have gotten closer and it's time to have sex. It's time for lizard brain. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. First of all, we loved when she goes over and the, I mean, it all worked. It was all working. Excellent use of condom usage. Sometimes in contemporary, Thank the condom you. usage can be really overbearing and it's like, okay, we get it. We're having safe sex. Like just mention it re real fast yeah. and let's move along. Like I don't need to. Well, to me, that's part of it. And that's kind of the way, I mean, that's the way that it's always kind of been for me. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a generation X. I grew up, you know, when, you know, safe during the AIDS thing, so, you know, condom usage was second nature. Like, it wasn't even, like, a consideration, you know? Oh, my God. That's so a cat tail. I was Sorry, like, what is that? <laughs> you guys, a cat tail is dipping and in and out of like, the frame. And uh, I, yeah. kept, I was like, is she using a boom mic? <laughs> No, I, you can tell we're in production because my first thought was, "Oh, she has a boom mic." Yeah, <laughs> so, a terrible, terrible cat. There she is. And then, and then I was like, "Wait a minute, the boom mic is moving." <laughs> I, 
was like, was your husband right there holding the boom mic? What yeah, that's happening. That's happening. I'm very professional here at my house. Um, your cat, your cat is like, I don't give a crap that you're taking. She does not. She has to show up. Every time I do anything on Zoom or whatever, she has to show up. Anyway, sorry, we were talking about content. Um, but that was me, hilarious. Like. I think it's important to have it in a sex scene because mm-hmm. if you don't, if you, if, if I'm reading a sex scene and there's no condom, I'm like, okay, well you're pregnant. Like I'm just waiting for that part of the book to happen at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I also so don't think it's a big, but I also don't think it's a big deal to use one. It's just like, okay, I've got a condom and I'm using it. Right. Period. I mean, you know, and yeah. honestly at this point, I'm trying to think of, cause I'm, I'm currently drafting the third book, but there's usually at least one joke about the condom at some point, you know, in the, yeah. Because I also think you need to joke around during sex. I think that's important. All the time. All the I time. Mean, that's yes. the best book. Because if you can't laugh you can't, during sex. You can't, I mean, if you can't laugh during sex, you're doing it. Something's wrong. Yeah, something's I mean, wrong. I'm not yucking anyone's yum. If you like to have very serious, <laughs> but, serious sex, do you. But but to me, that shows how close the characters are. If they're doing something that intimate, but they're also joking around with each other. Because that shows on another level how connected they are. So it's not just a sexual connection, but a sense of humor connection. So yeah. Oh God. If you, if you joke around during a sex scene, I'm all yours. Yeah. You know, what's funny is like, I used to never joke around during sex in general, like in life. Right. And so very recently, like my, my the newest partner I have, he is very joking and, uh, and I'm very joking. I just never, I don't know why I just never joke during sex, but I remember like something happened. And I was like, come on grandma or whatever. <laughs> and it was the funniest shit ever. Oh my God. I was like, why am I never joking during sex? This is great. Talking shit during sex is the most amazing thing ever. Big time. Big time. For sure. How do you how do you decide? Is it like a dis because I know you said you outlined your your book. So is it a decision right. where you're like, okay, they'll get together in this chapter because that makes the most sense for that arc, and then they'll get together again in this chapter for a sex scene? Is it something where you've kind of plotted out where they're gonna happen? Or is it like I know one will happen and then the rest sort of organically follow. Um, I'll say that I, I know when the first one's going to happen. Cause to me, that's um, when I outline, it's a very um, generic outline. It's very bullet points kind of thing, but it's sort of, you know, this sort of scene happens, then they're going to kiss here. You know, then this stuff happens. This will be where the sex scene, the first sex scene is going to be, you know, and it's, it's just another plot point, you know, on the way to the end of the book. Um, but like for well met, there's the one sex scene at, at the specific, you know, probably around, I think it's around like the 60% marker. So it's a kind of a slow burn of a book. And then um, later on, there's sort of a more of an implied sex scene. It's not really explicit, but that they're definitely doing it. Um, that was not like outlined that, <laughs> that particular part. Cause that comes right after the part where he's, you know, giving her all the roses, the whole wooing thing at the fair, literally that part of the outline said that they are a couple at fair and they're cute. That was all I did. So <laughs> I had to figure that out later, what it, that actually meant. And so just having that whole scene happen, um, you know, and the stuff that comes before it, where he realizes that no one's ever treated her the way that she deserves. And so he's going to show her, you know, how he feels about her. And then the whole thing happens with the roses. And so, so having that flow into another sex scene made sense, you know, for the story. Yeah, if someone um, was wooing my ass off at a fair while dressed yeah. as Captain Blackthorn and brought me I'd roses, be, we would I'd be, be having sex. Like a tree, too. Like I mean, a tree. Not, <laughs> that's kind of a given. So, yeah, I yep. mean, it's, it, it made sense. And I'm definitely one of those people that, you know, I believe that a sex scene has to, you know, move the story forward. I don't like to throw them in just to throw them in. I want 
I want there to be a reason for it. You know, it, it changes the characters in some way and it moves the plot forward in some way. So, so yeah. Have you ever had to rein it back? Have you ever had to go like, oh man, I think I put too many sex scenes. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not yet. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think honestly, you know, when you, when you look at the grand scheme of romance novels, I'm probably one of the tamer ones, you know, I'm not really over the top, you know, bang fest or anything. Um, I definitely, you know, the door is definitely open, but I'm, but that's not, uh, that's not the point of it for me. I'm definitely, I personally am a, like a rom-com banter dialogue kind of person. That's sort of my favorite part to write. And I think the sex is important and I'm not going to skip it. I'm definitely not going to be a closed door kind of person, but, thank, but thank I'm God. not. Thank God. Yeah. I guess that, that, that frustrates me when I read <laughs> I, I guess that's where, you know, some people aren't into that. Some people like the, you know, the, the closed door romances. But, if you know, if, if you're giving me banter and you're giving me sexual tension and then the chapter ends and it fades to black, oh. I am going to scream oh, my I face hate off. That, that hates me. We that have. So much. We have. We're like, it's not a romance novel if you close the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not well, here for closed doors. <laughs> I, read, I recently read a book. And so they beautiful job building the tension and the chemistry and I was for it. And then they got to the point and it was like, and what happened next was just between us two. And I was like, no, no it's between, what no, about me? What about me? I've been along on the ride with you all this time. This time. Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I always remember like the first play I ever directed. Right. Um, I probably wasn't good with emotion as a person in general at that point. And so there's a, a, a point where the character cries and I had her turn her back to the audience. And I always remember my professor coming to me afterwards, like he was critiquing it, whatever, and saying like, no, when she cries, she should be dead to the audience. You don't get to take them on this journey and then not let them see all of that yeah. emotion and all of that, whatever. And to me, when you're when you are reading a romance novel, you're kind of God. You're like overlooking this entire story. And so to like close the door on God, be like, hold on a second, God, I'm about to, I'm about to close the door on for God. a minute. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You're just like, well, how rude. Okay. Right. God's you know? not going to look at, so, look fondly on that. So yeah, you don't want to piss off God. You don't, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or in, ca- in this case, the readers who will buy subsequent books. Right. Yes. Exactly. If you, exactly. if you close the door on me, I will not. And the thing is like, I can love, 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 love your book. I can love it so much. And I will not buy another book if the door yeah. is closed. Yeah, that's not why I'm here. But Bridget and I always kind of debate too short. Yeah, yeah. But but I I specifically like Bridget and I we're we're kind of opposite. She wants the feels. She oh, wants the open door too. But she's there for the romance and all the feels. And I'm like, where's the smut? Yeah. Where <laughs> is where is it? How many pages till I get there, Bridget? How many Are pages? You okay, like, flips through it to see where the banging uh-huh. starts. Then yes, okay. We told this, we've told this story recently, but Shawnee will photo when she was little, used to and little by little I mean high school, used to photocopy the smut out of books at the library and take it home with her. Or, or the oh worst part that Bridget hates me for is that I used to tear out the sex scenes no. the and take them home. <laughs> desecration of books everyone you can't see jen but she's shaking her face and her hand is over her face and she also agrees with me that her posture is shiny as an adult i realize what an asshole <laughs> what an asshole uh, <laughs> what a douche. 
But yeah, I am 100% the rom-com feels. But I also just want to know who's licking who where and what's happening. I just want to be involved. Yeah. I just want to be a part of the party, you know? Just, just tell me what's happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, that to me, like I said, to me, that's important. It's Because that's an important part of the character too, right? Yes, absolutely. It's so how they important. are in bed. So, yeah. How does that <laughs> function with an editor? So my my thoughts are thus because we work in a lot of different mediums. So I have people constantly yeah. like critiquing my work and giving me notes and things like that. And I just don't yeah. care. I'm like, best idea. Okay, I like that. Sometimes I'm like, your idea mm-hmm. is terrible. I'm not taking that advice, but thank you for giving it. Um, yeah. But I imagine that when an editor is involved because they're like, quote unquote, you know, the man, they are like aware of how many times you say, you know, penis or vagina or anal or whatever right and they're like oh actually you have to do xyz how how is that how is that um you know honestly I hadn't I didn't get a whole lot of like critique on the sex scenes themselves which I'm gonna say is a good thing um in in the the second book, Well Played, that comes out in September she actually my editor actually gave me a note she was like this is very I can't remember exactly what she said like like there was a very sweet sex scene and very true to the characters, which I thought was a really cool thing for her to say. Like it told me that she got who the characters were. And I remember her giving me that note at the end of the scene itself. But um, I haven't had a lot of like notes like, well, you know, maybe the hand should be here or something like that. I haven't had anything <laughs> <laughs> along those lines. Um, so like I, either I'm doing it right or they're just letting me do what I need to do with it. <laughs> Have you found that your when you turned in the version that you sold to the editor, is that pretty close to the version that was published, or did it kind of evolve as you worked with their team? It was pretty close. We did. Um, my editor is fantastic. She, um, Carrie Donovan at Berkeley. She, um, one thing I love about her is that she really gets the characters, and she, I really think she loves them as much as I do. So we, when we talked about when we, you know, first sold Well Men, she and I first talked about the book and she gave me notes. It was very much about just sort of deepening the characters, just adding a lot of little things to, to make them, to make them richer, even like, uh, like adding the little detail about Simon being a long distance runner was something that we, that we added in like later on in the process as a way to, um, like contrast him to his brother being the football star. Um, and it worked well for him, for Simon to be a runner because he's a, he's a loner, he's quiet, he doesn't want the, you know, the applause. So that would be a sport that would be something that he would be very into. And then it's, some, then it's this like minor detail that's, that I've brought up like a couple more times that comes up in the second book and it comes up in the third book. Um, and then it just like, and that was sort of one of those things that's like, I can't even believe that I, that he was never that, mm-hmm. you know, because it worked so well. Um, so it's, it's, it was a lot of little details like that. Lots of little, um, just little details about the fair to make them more, make it more, um, not realistic is the word, but to make you see it more atmospheric, I guess maybe is the word I'm looking for. But she has just had a lot of places where it was like, you know, expand on this here a little bit more, or, you know, just give me a little more moment of that. So it was, it was mostly that sort of thing, as opposed to like, let's rehaul this entire section, which was Do nice. you, um, I'm curious. Um, I, I have a story that I've been like very low pressure writing for a very long time, but every so often 
I take what I have and I sit around the table with my siblings and we, and I tell them the story and we talk it out and they pick every hole in it and give me all sorts of suggestions. Um, and I find that um, I've never asked like an author really this, like when you talk to your editor, they may give you notes, but you have the opportunity to really like overhaul your story with somebody, tell them and get real, like, like other sort of feedbacks. Is it a really solo process? Like, how do you, like, how does that work, work for you? I work really closely with critique partners. I have um, like three people that I really, really trust that uh, we've kind of developed a process at this point that as I'm writing, like when I'm writing that first draft, that's absolute garbage. I'm sending it to them as I'm writing it chapter by chapter. And their role at that point is to not criticize me, <laughs> is to not say anything bad, but is to just sort of see what I'm doing. And then by the time I get to the end and they see where the story is gone, then, then, I, then I'll kind of go back and say, okay, this is what I'm thinking about changing. And then they can, since they've read the whole thing, they can help me kind of brainstorm plot points. And that to me is so helpful. And it's also really um, motivating because writing it to me, writing a novel, you know, by yourself is, is really difficult, you know, because it's not, um, I actually came up through fan fiction, like I think a lot of other people did. And you throw that stuff online and you're getting comments and you're getting, you know, kudos and likes and stuff. And it, that's very, you know, affirming. But when you're sitting down and it's you and your laptop and you've got 85,000 words to write, that can get really, really lonely. And you can have a lot of, is this garbage? Maybe I should just stop because it's garbage. But to have, you know, people that you trust and you're sending them chapters and they're like, okay, send me more. They're kind of, you know, part of their role is to be on my back to get me to finish because a first draft is the hardest part for me. Once I'm, once I have finished the first draft, I love to revise because I figured out who the characters are. I figured out what they need to do and I can go back in and rewrite it super quick. But, but dragging a first draft out of me is like pulling teeth. So I have those people that, you know, cheer me along the way and say nice things about my writing and they pick out the good stuff. And then um, once we're, once I'm done, they're like, okay, now here's the plot. Here's the plot holes. Here are the things that you need to fix. Um, so that's, so that's super helpful. Super helpful to me. I would not be able to get it done without them. Do you write full time right now? Right now? Yeah, I do. Um, that was mostly a circumstantial thing. Um, my husband got a job about a year ago and we moved um, to a different town. So he was, so I was able to stay home and be the, be the quote unquote housewife while he worked. Um, and so then I'm, I, and then I write. So that's kind of my, that's awesome. my thing. And then um, we're actually getting ready to move across country. So that's a, that's a whole other story, oh, but. Um, congratulations. <laughs> Wait, where are you going? Where are you headed? We're going to uh, Tucson, Tucson, Arizona. So oh. um, Nice. That's going to be an adventure with three cats in an you know an SUV. But oh, <laughs> yeah, you're like the the wettest of the wet heat to the driest of the dry. I know. Heat. We're actually kind of looking forward to the desert. We think it'll be an interesting adventure. But um, let me but tell yeah. you right now, dry heat is way better than wet heat. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, we went we we went out there a few months ago to check it out because um, he had a couple of job prospects out there. So we wanted to see if we liked the area, and we we both loved it. So then, yeah. and then it was like right before COVID happened. And then it was like, well, and of course, and he had all these like job prospects that were just like falling off one by one because, you know, as the country shut down and then we just sort of, we've been hunkering down here and then, um, he got a call a few weeks ago. And so now we're moving to Arizona. Um, and I'm going to be writing there full time as well. So I'm super excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah, Sonia and nice. I are also, um, well, I have children. She does not, but work from home. 
you know, work on our own projects full time. Uh, you know, we contract out for other people, but uh, oh, nice. it's great. We also have wonderfully supportive partners too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah, that's, that's key. Got that, got key. that fun cash money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a uh, it's interesting because my, my, like a previous partner, I remember having this discussion with him one day and he was like, you got to find, um, you needed like a real job. You need a real job. And I was like, well, I already knew like I'm an artist. I, I create music and other stuff. And um, he was like, yeah, but what are you going to do that like, brings in money? And not, in my mind, I'm like art and other stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and I remember one day just like looking at him and being like, oh, I'll never be able to feel fully like supported here. You know, right. like this, this won't work. And I just turned to him and I was like, we should just break up. And he, he looked at me and he was like, wait, what? We were literally wait, just like, we were like laying in bed, reading a book. Like it was an average day. And I was oh just like, God. yeah, I was like, yeah, we need to break up now. Um, and he was so shocked. He didn't even say anything at first. It took him a minute to be like, wait, what's happening? And I was like, I'm just going to leave tomorrow. And I got, and then I just bought a plane ticket. And the next day I just left. Oh my God. <laughs> that was that. Was that. <laughs> wow. That's freaking but, awesome though. <laughs> guess what? I'm making money at doing art and other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, like for me, it worked out. I mean, the, the way this whole thing with COVID happened, um, my husband, you know, my husband had, had left his job like right before COVID happened. So, so job hunting during this was a bad idea, but you know, we didn't know. Um, but the way it all worked out was that I had just, um, just turned in a book. So I got some, I got some book money and then I had just signed a contract for two more books. So we, so I got some, you know, an advance, some of the advance on that. So that was money that we had thrown into the savings account. So we were, so we've been kind of able to live off of that for the past couple of months, which has That's been awesome. coming in super, super handy. So it was just like, thank the Lord people like these rent their stories. So, <laughs> well, congrats on signing for two more books. Good for you. So, yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, book three is being drafted right now. And then I'm done figuring out what book four is going to be. Woo-hoo. I'm very <laughs> curious. Have you, um, has anybody approached you for uh, adapting your work into like for TV or film we, um, I do have a film agent and there's, um, it's being like kind of shopped around right now, but, um, nothing, you know, nothing tangible yet. I think it would be a really, speaking as, you know, people who come from the film industry, I would watch the shit out of this movie. <laughs> I mean, I think it would be bad. Yeah. I would love to see yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Like the people, everyone's dressed up. Like it's like, it would be the budget wouldn't be I, high because you could do it in one small town. You could build out your own fair. Just speaking as someone who like comes from the numbers side of it, I'm like, I could produce this movie as long as you're not casting Brad Pitt. Like we could do this pretty. Right. Yeah. I, I, I was on Netflix the other day and I needed like something to watch. That was a no brainer. And I don't know why, but I picked this Christmas movie called the Cinderella story or something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it it was terrible. Um, But, (laughs) but I watched the whole thing because I obviously was doing something else while I did it. And I remember thinking at the end of it, like, what's the budget? Like, well, I wonder what budget they had, but I'm like the same right. budget they had for this movie. They could make well met. Like I don't think they, so, right? they could. And I'm just like, you can have better writing than this movie <laughs> <laughs> with the same budget. You know what I mean? Yeah. It all takes place I, in like I mean, a small, you know, to me, that's a, the dream. I would love, I would love to see it. I really, really would. It would be really fun. It would be really interesting to see what someone else would do with the story, you know, I support this. So yeah, cross your fingers and you know, 
send it out there. So Shani only listens to audiobooks. Do you, because this was your first book. So we've talked to people who are like indie authors who like control their whole sort of audiobook. We've talked to established right. authors who at the beginning didn't control anything, but as they've gone along, you know, now they get to pick the, the sort of narrator. Mm-hmm. Did you get to be involved in the narrator choice and the audiobook at all, or did it just sort of show up in your email one day? Um, I, I was involved in that. Um, I get to have like approval of the narrator. So they basically, they said, I got an email saying, this is who we are, you know, this is who we're thinking about using. And, um, it's uh, Brittany Presley and I listened to, I went online and I listened to a bunch of samples of her work and I just, I loved her voice. And I, she had this great, like almost snarky kind of quality to her voice. And I was like, she's going to be perfect for Emily. So I was, I, I thought she was great. Um, and I thought she really knocked it out of the park. I listened, I, I listened to most of the audiobook. I didn't listen to my sex chapter. Um, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, man. Um, that was too weird for me. <laughs> <laughs> to listen to my own like writing no I couldn't do it um I thought she <laughs> I would have I would have gotten a bottle of wine I would have been all into it I, <laughs> I loved it so I much was, <laughs> it was weird enough I mean maybe this is a debut author thing and I'll get used to it in time but it was weird enough listening to someone just read my book you know like I like I remember there's certain like passages that I'm like I remember the coffee shop I was writing this in like I remember what you know, my laptop looked like when oh, I was typing those so words fun, and now they're in a book and now someone's narrating it. And it was just such a weird, like out of body experience kind of feeling that, that I got like, I got super emotional about it. And so by the time I got to the sex chapter, I was like, I can't do this. I think I got like part way through the scene and I had to nope out of it. I was just like, I can't, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> she did a fantastic job, but I just couldn't do it. So but like, nope, but, nope, 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 nope. Um, but one thing that I thought was, I, I don't know, I, I didn't think about the audiobook when I wrote the book. So I didn't think that not only was this poor narrator going to have to do all of these characters, but then she's going to have to do all these characters with their character accents. So, uh-huh. so this, this woman like played like 20 different people or something. Like it was, I was like, oh my God, this was amazing. So I, I thought what she did was incredible. I was like, just, I'm not a huge audiobook person. Um, just cause I, I haven't for a long time, I haven't had like a long commute or any time to really listen to audiobooks. Like I don't have any specific time that I would listen to them. So that's not really my thing. So it wasn't something that I thought a lot about, but besides knowing that there would be one, you know, so just, just hearing what she did with it and, and how she brought all of these characters to life was amazing to me. Like my favorite part of the audiobook, honestly, if you don't mind me rambling on, but my favorite part of the audiobook is when um, Caitlin, the niece, comes to get Emily for the, the fake hand fasting thing. And she's in character, but she's terrible. So she's just kind <laughs> of doing this, oh, you have to come over here. And it's just like, it's to me, I just about fell out laughing because I was like, it's so awesome how she made this teenage character sound like a doofus and try. And she's trying to do an accent and she's failing, but she's trying. <laughs> And to me, that was so funny. So I just thought she did such a good job. I adore that's her. Aw- I really do. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> Sh- Shani really liked the audiobook. I remember when we reviewed. Uh, we definitely had some where we've had like the opposite experience where like the characters didn't turn out right. So it's oh. super. It's super and fun. It, and it changes everything about the book <laughs> when the when the narrator is not right. Uh, we definitely yeah. Bridget. Yeah, Bridget and I had a book where 
we did where she was like, I love this book. And I was like, I didn't love this book. Like the main character was a douchebag. And she was like, she was like, no, he wasn't. I was like, he was a bro. He was definitely a bro. And she was like, no, I didn't read him that way at all. But I don't choose how I hear that character. It's given to me, you know? Oh, and, okay. And so like it changed everything audio. about the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always do the audio. She always says the book. And so it was definitely a differing opinion, just purely based on performance. Uh, so that was interesting. A- That's true, though. Mm-hmm. And yeah, There's- there have been a couple of audio books that I've listened to um, recently. And there was one that I... I did not like it because I didn't think, yeah, the narrator wasn't doing it for me. And I was like, he's making the girls sound like a doofus. And, you know, yes! I don't think she's supposed to be. And <laughs> I yeah. always find that, because uh, I, I produced audiobooks um, for a while. Okay. And I always find that women narrators tend to do men better than men do yes. women. Yeah. And that was the problem with the one that I listened to. And I'm not going to say what it was, but, but yeah, it was the, like the male voice you know, in the men's POV doing the women's dialogue and she sounded like an idiot. Just, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, well, I'm a woman. Like, it's yeah. Like- <laughs> and it just, and, and maybe that's just a, a handicap that is going to come with a man trying to do a woman's voice without sounding weird. I don't know. But that's yeah. interesting. And like I said, since audiobooks aren't some, aren't really my world, it's, it's, been, it's been an interesting kind of, I don't know, education to learn about all of this sort of thing and, and how it also sounds like it also sounds like your narrator did her homework, you know, like read the book and went through it. And I think you can also tell when whoever the narrator or the producers, whoever's doing it has gone through and marked the characters and really taken the time to um, have give direction on, on what the characters sound like and where they're coming from. Cause I think you can really tell the difference in a book yeah. that's just kind of straight read without that or has that kind of detail put into it. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. It really does. Is there a question that you wish during, because I, I presumably you're going now into press for the next book, which is going to certainly look much different than it would have if we weren't in COVID, because oh I God, imagine yeah. book panels and things, a lot yeah. of them will be virtual now and signings will be digital or somehow, I don't know how that will happen. Um mm-hmm. Is there a question that you wish in, during all these interviews that interviewers would ask you about you or about your writing or books? Oh, my gosh. Um, no, because I think honestly, a lot, most of the people that I've talked to at, at this point, I haven't had like tons and tons of interviews, but people do a pretty good job of asking you know, some really good questions. I've had a, really, a, a good time talking about my experiences at Renaissance fairs, um, which, like I said, was really the inspiration for writing the book. Um, Sometimes I wish people would ask a little bit more about about that, about the the actual Renaissance Fair experience. But um, for the most, because one thing that I think is important, because I've had a couple of, of readers say this to me, is that they are Renaissance Fair enthusiasts and they're really happy with the way I portrayed it. And that wasn't something that I even like thought about when I wrote the book because I came from a place of being, you know, a Renaissance Fair volunteer. So it was a world that I, that I liked and I was familiar with and I really enjoyed. And I worked with people who had made it their world. And it, I didn't realize it until people were saying that to me that when a lot of times when people are, are portrayed this way, when you've got like, you know, the brother-in-law who's a Renfair enthusiast, it's a joke. It's mm. portrayed as some kind of a one note way to make him seem wacky or make him seem stupid. And so 
I, I do enjoy the times that I get to talk a little bit more about, you know, my run fair experiences and how positive it is and how much fun it is um, without it being a joke. Absolutely. So that nice. to me was like, a, yeah. that was a, a dimension of it, of the book that I didn't really even realize as I was writing it. Cause I was like, well, of course it's not a joke. But then I kind of thought about it and was like, wow, they have a really good point. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that I wrote it this way. And I'm glad, you know, I, I think that it, it's a part of, you know, kind of nerd culture or geek culture that, you know, which is kind of, I think becoming a little more popular these days, you know, yeah. kind of celebrating I think, who I, you are and, I think you're right about that. Um, I think like when I was a kid, I used to like cosplay. Yeah. And back back then when you cosplayed, it was much more of like a joke thing or you were kind of weird for doing it or it, right. I mean, I'm no lie though. I looked crazy dressed like Sailor Moon, like, but, but, but like, you know, now all the costumes are really, really good. Like before you we were trying to find the best of a, of a thing. Um, but uh, but it's more accepted to be like into cosplay or to be in these communities and and very people are very supportive of it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious because you kind of mentioned earlier that you're you're essentially like an introvert or you like um, yeah you know <laughs> um, and I'm curious to know. I, like I personally am also an introvert and I have a very hard time balancing being productive at something and also having to do press or promote or do social media. And those two things. So kind of how does it work for you when you um, when you are writing, but also have to be like on and promoting and with people and kind of out of your bubble? Um, I just I guess I just sort of schedule them, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I make sure that I have time to write that's, you know, separate from when I should be doing promo. Of course, I say that and I sit down to write and then I promptly go on Twitter. So you know, like, you know, like just about everybody else. So that's kind of probably a normal thing to do. But, um, a lot of the, I try to, to keep the promo stuff. I don't want to say as simple as possible, but I, I mean, you pretty much find me on Twitter all the time and that's where my, most of my promo is because I like to hang out there. Um, but, and last, last year was kind of crazy because I did go to a, a lot of, um, in-person events, which was, very, um, very exciting and very, a little overwhelming as somebody who's pretty introverted and a debut novelist. That was crazy. You know, that to me was, you know, I, I was at this, some of these panels and discussions and people came to see me and that was strange. <laughs> I was not, you know, not ready for that. And so I had to, you know, go lie down in a dark room afterwards for a little while, but, <laughs> you know, as an introvert, but I think, and I don't know if it's like, extroverted introvert or something like that where I can turn it on and I can be you know social and I like meeting people and I like doing doing things I'll have a panic attack beforehand you know but then I'll show up at the event and I'll have a great time you know so that's kind of how I am um and then so I just sort of you know devote the energy to that and then have a little bit of a rest and then I can get back to writing and that's a completely different you know mindset to have very nice um, so we've been at, we are wondering when you're working on a character who's either race or ethnicity or nationality is different from your own. Um, what do you do for, um, to prepare for writing those characters? Um, I, I will say that cause something that I, I feel like I want to address is that, um, the well-met series is pretty straight and white, which I think is probably pretty obvious when you read it. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and it's, so it's something that I, I'm very conscious of. It's not like I'm not aware of that, but I was about three drafts in when I realized 
if well met when I realized, oh, wow, these people are all really straight and white. And at that point, I thought, well, I could make somebody a different race or a different ethnicity. And I thought that at that point, that would be just coloring somebody in. You know what I mean? Like just sort of replacing a character with a character of a different color or something. And that to Mm -hmm. me seemed more like tokenism. But I didn't want to do that. So what I've been trying to do to sort of, I don't want to make up for it isn't really the right term, but what I've been sort of trying to do in response is to boost as many authors of color as I can and make sure that those stories are definitely getting as front and center as I can make them as well as my own. Um, to, to try to give other people places at the table, but to really answer your question um, in a, in a trunked novel that, that has not sold and I probably won't, you know, make the rounds, but I had a, a main character who was Russian and I did a lot of research. It was um, part of it took place in like 1980s Soviet Russia. So I did a lot of research as to like, you know, what life was like then, the mindset of people who lived then um, and at the age that person was. And so I, I tried as much as I could to get into that person's head and, and it, it, him being Russian, have give him the speech pattern that a Russian speaker would have, because I I've, have taken some Russian in the past, so I know a little bit of how the how the the, the sentence pattern pattern is. So I did that sort of thing. So that was um, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but it does. And I mean, I, I actually like your answer of, of like not coloring in a character later. Um, I think you're spot on. I remember being a kid and they released like a black Barbie, and it was literally like a white Barbie, yeah. but just with brown skin. Like the feature, nothing changed. It was the exact same mold, oh! but it just had, it just had brown skin. And, and it, we were very aware of this. I remember being very aware of it when I was a kid. My mom was very aware of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I feel like it's the equivalent of that. And people would, yeah. would see, see through that. So, uh, well, so that's then, very interesting. And then, oh, then another reason too, was that I had my, you know, my mind, I had said before, I was, I was sort of vaguely thinking, well, I could make this into a series. And I feel very strongly that I should not write a POV character who's a different race than me. I don't think that's my place. So that was one reason why the other kind of main supporting characters are all very white because <laughs> then I felt like I would be able to write them if that's, you know, if that makes sense. Because I, I know there's been a lot of talk about that sort of thing lately too. And so it's something that I've been very conscious of. And, and I think that to me, that's important. I really, I really think it's much more important for there to be an, a, an author of color at the table, a black author or, you know, any other whatever ethnicity they're writing than me writing a black character or me writing an Asian character that to me is important because that's not my place what are yeah (laughs) what are some ways aside from buying your books that (laughs) fans of WellMet can support you do you like do you do merch do you do other stuff or do you just write books and the publisher sort of I just write books. (laughs) So basically you can order my books. Um, We just said, um, and I don't know when this is going to air, so I don't know if this will be um, applicable or not, but um, we just started a pre-order campaign through uh, one more page books in Arlington, Virginia for well-played. So um, you'll be able to to look them up, you know, you can Google that. And we're doing like a little pre-order campaign where you get like a signed bookmark and a little charm um, if you pre-order well-played through, um, through their bookstore. Very cool. And I definitely we'll support put that in the show notes so everyone can okay. have a link to And that. I definitely support, you know, buying through indie bookstores when you can, you know, rather than the Zon. But um, no, I just write books. You can, I don't have any, I don't have any merch or anything like, else like that for sale yet. So some things have started to like, like other people are starting to put some merch out, which 
has been really um, the dream. So I've been so thrilled. <laughs> but there have been a couple of like custom candles and some art prints and, and things like that. And um, like a headband. There's a headband that, that was pre-ordered that I'm super excited about. So, But this is just people doing their thing. That's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> I think I love that would book be merch. so like the day that someone makes romance at a glance swag that isn't us. I feel like I'll be like, we made it. <laughs> and that yeah, honestly, that was that's been like the thing for me. Like that, those things happening, I, I'm floored every time. I really am. <laughs> yeah, the the fan fiction artwork. I always get jealous when I see like influencers and their fans make drawings of them or whatever. Right. And I'm always like, I'm like, that's like the ultimate like. um the ultimate, like, uh, what, you, what do you call it? Like honor, like you, like you yeah. painted a picture of me, like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like the, the fact that there's been, there's been well-met fan art has been, yeah, that it, that's been the weirdest feeling because that was like, Oh yeah. Like these characters don't just live in my head anymore, you know? Cause for a long time they did. And I knew what they looked like, but nobody else did. And then somebody else paints a, you know, does a picture and I'm like, oh yeah, that is what they look like. That, you know, like apparently I did a good job of describing, <laughs> describing these people. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's crazy because the amount of time it takes to put, to put into creating a piece of art like that, you know, they did that for, for my book, you know, for my characters. Yeah. That's just, yeah, that's it. it it's, I'm, I, I'm speechless whenever it happens. I really am. That's so awesome. That's so much. That's super awesome. We're like super excited to like follow your journey, follow where you go with <laughs> your books. You. We love your writing. We, oh, sh- we ship you. Yeah. Is that how we use that? <laughs> Is that how we use that? <laughs> no, it's not, Johnny. But I'll damn it. Not, but <laughs> I've been on I'll TikTok. <laughs> I've been trying. I've been trying to figure out what sus is. I've been trying to figure out what ship is. <laughs> Oh my god! Somebody <laughs> ship is like you would ship Emma and Simon together. You're shipping your yeah. relationship, like a relationship. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll ship you. Then. <laughs> you can tell Johnny does not watch a lot of TV or movies because shipping is I big. I just started her on um, Riverdale, the TV show on the she CW. Did. Oh my god! She forced it's, me. I'm like, you got to, and she's gonna be shipping them so hard because I can already tell yeah. she's already like Bridget. Let's watch another episode. <laughs> yeah. I have not finished that. I've gotten I've a couple of seasons of that, but I haven't seen all of it. I haven't either, to be honest. I watched seasons oh one God, and two. Three got real iffy, I thought, so I stopped watching. But apparently, four was quite good. So we'll see if we can make it. it all the way through. Hey, when you have to make it, hey, when you have to make it through a bad season or something just to get to the good one. <laughs> I feel my like you just read, read a recap and skip it. What are you watching? There you go. Uh, well, my husband is currently trying to finish Supernatural, which, you know, oh like, what, like 15 seasons or something. He was, yes. he's at, during quarantine, he's watched basically all of Netflix. So there was one time he was getting desperate and trying to find something to watch. And he was flipping through and he was like, we left off Supernatural somewhere around season nine. And there is now season 15. He's like, I'm going in. So <laughs> he stays up really, really, really late. And I go to bed earlier than he does. So there's usually about a good two or three hour period where he's watching TV. And so that, that's what he's been doing. He's been trying to burn his way all the way through Supernatural. More, I've been trying to do it to him. More power. I've been trying yeah, to right? do um, Buffy. I've been I trying love to do Buffy. Buffy. Oh, I've been trying to do Buffy. are doing Buffy. We can be watching Buffy together. Oh, I need someone to watch Buffy with because I talk so much shit to myself as I'm watching Buffy. I, I was. <laughs> I own, I, all the really TV, strict- I own all the seasons on DVD also. 
Listen, movie. we could have been doing this. Like, I was not allowed to watch Buffy. There's a lot of stuff like everybody was allowed to watch when I was a kid, like The Simpsons and things like that, that uh, I never okay. So like I'm an adult trying to like catch up on pop culture. That's why I none of these things really I don't watch movies like that because we couldn't watch movies like that. So I never got into that gotcha. sort of thing. The only movies I watched were like those epic blockbusters, like Independence Day and stuff like that. So okay, now I think but, I understand why you were tearing the romance scenes out of the uh, the books in the library. Yeah. Oh yeah. I understand yeah. a lot more about you now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Speaking, now you have some different circumstances. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now I understand a little more. Speaking of, are you reading anything good right now? I know you said you're writing, so you're probably um, deep in writing. But I am deep in writing. I have a deadline, but um, I actually just started. This isn't a romance, but I started um, becoming Duchess Goldblatt, and I don't know if you know who Duchess Goldblatt is on Twitter. But um, it's this anonymous person who's created this persona of, um, oh, it's a, it's from one of the, like an old painting, like an old Dutch painting of an older lady. And she's just created this character called Duchess Goldblatt. And she just, it's, it's just like a persona on Twitter, but it spawned this person writing a memoir of, of how they came to, um, you know, become this character and why and, and everything. And it's, I, I just started it last night. It's fascinating. Um, and the other thing, I actually have an arc of uh, Christina Lauren's new one in the holidays. So oh, I just started that. that looks so cute. So it's so cute so far. It's very funny. So I'm, nice. I'm enjoying that one very much. Um, that's, so that's, yeah, that's what's on my table right now. I'm waiting to request that because I have your book that was requested, which I'm hoping will drop any day. So I just, I have. I got too many things in my queue. We got ten, oh ten historical novels to read for season four. We got a lot going on. <laughs> Bridget reads so many books. In the time it takes me to read like two books, we're just like, I just read eight books. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I read, I was laughing because someone posted something about like, oh, they've already read a hundred books this year. And I was like, dang, good for them. And then I was like, oh, wait. I've probably at least read like 75. I've already read oh four God. this week. Like, <laughs> I had a hard time reading during like kind of the beginning of all this COVID stuff. Like I would try to read and I would get a page into something. I'm like, no, nope, gotta put it down. Like I just couldn't focus. I, I was stuff. kind of, so I already worked from home and okay. I have a baby who's nine months old now, but was only five months old. So I was already in the, like, I'm not doing a whole lot right now mindset, <laughs> you know, like sure. I was, I have a two, I also have a two and a half year old. So I was already in the like, well, oh we're home. We're going to hang out. You know, I work yeah. when they're, when I can, but like I do the podcast and stuff. But so I think it was a little easier for me, like the switch, because the switch for people who were like out and about in the world or in right. offices and then came home was like, but I was already kind of like, I mean, it's a bummer. We can't like go to Target together and wander the aisles like we used to. Right. But like for the most yeah. part, I was breastfeeding. Life didn't so change. I, yeah, life didn't change too, too much. No. Um, but I also found that uh, because my husband was home, his world went completely different from being gone yeah. from eight to seven every day to being home all the time. And so he was like doing a lot of like stress gaming at night. <laughs> so mm, yeah, I ended up reading a ton of books in April because he was like gaming and going through gotcha. his own mental transition. And so <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'll read another alien romance tonight. Chucks. Chucks. Oh my God. So yeah. That's awesome. Someone's got to do it. 
Someone's <laughs> got to read them. Someone has to just, I mean, if you guys are writing the books, someone's got to read them. And that's someone. Correct. Hey, man, may we appreciate well be it. Me. <laughs> <laughs> you may as well read all of them. Absolutely. As many as I possibly can. Well, oh. Jen, thank you so much for being on the show with us and talking yes, to us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. really fun. This is, this it's is always, awesome. It's always so fun getting to like, I mean, obviously we've put a face to you because we've seen your picture on the internet, but it's always nice getting to put a personality to the writing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, just get to meet the authors of all these books that we're reading. It's super cool. So we really appreciate your time and you coming on Absolutely. the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around. Wasn't that just, like, the most fun? You guys, we are loving these author interviews. So, so fun. So we got a lot of things coming up for you guys. Next week, we are going to do a full tease of season four. And I'm going to tease the tease because you guys stuck around to the end of the episode, and I love you for that. So we are doing 10 historicals. As you probably know, we're hitting titans. So I want you guys to go on Instagram and guess which titans we're hitting. I'm going to put up a post. Also... We are going to do a crossover episode. So we're going to tease that. We're going to talk about which podcast we're crossing over with. Hint, it's one of the historical romance novel ones. We are also doing more author interviews in season four. I am not going to release the names yet because we have not confirmed. But we are going to try and get some real heavyweight fun. Some real titans of the historicals. Ladies who have been writing for decades and who have published a lot of delicious smutty historical romance so make sure that you check all of that out if you're in the mood to support our show it would be so helpful if you would tell your friends share it on social check out our page maybe share one of it in your stories or share a post uh tell the people about it tell the people that you like us because the more people who like our show also the more episodes we can make, the more author interviews we can do, uh, the more content that we can deliver you. If you really love the show, you can head to patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance and you can check out the fun perks we have. We got everything from stickers and thank yous all the way up to you could potentially be a guest on the show. You can get a surprise box. You guys, it is sexy as book. You definitely want to get some surprise boxes. You can just be our friend. So come Subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Make sure you're updated. We got a lot of good stuff coming up in season four. And until then, may your books be your lover and your hands your best friend. Yeah. That one's for you, Shani. Love you.